Hello you, tuning in to Psychomedy. It's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. ThreadUp brings exciting new changes to its services in direct response to what we learned while supporting comedians and creatives through the crisis with their mental health and including those who lost their income. Check it out at threadup.co.uk and get in touch to arrange your therapy that supports creativity. Welcome to Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years and a quarter of a century of studying the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage. Alongside being a stand-up comedian for the last 10 years has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy with today's very special guest, the fantastic Jack Carroll. Jack, hello. Hi Nathan, how are you doing mate? Good to be here. Oh, fantastic to have you. How are you today, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I think um, uh, I, I'm better over the last few days than I have been uh, than 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 I have been for a little while. Because it's it's strange, isn't it? Coming out of the lockdown, I think we all had the lockdown to focus on as a sort of uh, as a thing. So now we're in this sort of nether zone. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, you know we don't even have the lockdown to focus on. So it's you know. <laughs> yeah. it's, you can feel a little bit listless some days, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? And we haven't got, yeah, we, we haven't quite got Christmas as an excuse not to do anything. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, no, I think that's it's, um, but luckily, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more, uh, a little bit more focused over the last couple of days, so that's good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, because we've been doing these during lockdown, you know, we've been doing the daily dose shows where we've been focusing on how comedians are like facing the challenges of an empty diary. But now I guess, as you say, it's, it's, it's a new challenge now. It's kind of getting back to being creative. I mean, you've been very creative in lockdown as well, but how was lockdown for you in terms of, in terms of your inner world, in terms of kind of anxiety and feeling creative or not feeling creative? Well, I, um, at the, it, it was weird. I think like most people, I um I went through various stages with it, and I think um, obviously manage it because you know I've had I've had some experience of um, uh, you know not not catastrophic mental ill health, but but mental ill health at times, and mm. um, it, it was similar to um, to managing those. Uh, peaks and troughs really you know because someday at the beginning I was like this is great I'm released from having to do any work I can just guilt free uh, play FIFA all day right <laughs> that, and that's, that's amazing because you don't have that sort of um, internal burden of oh shit I should be doing something else because you can't do anything else um, yeah. but it's a bit like in that respect it's a bit like the six week holidays when you're at primary school like for the first three weeks it's brilliant but then you get the, you know you can have too much of a good thing um and and you know i think then 
sort of now we're coming out of it and, and by the end of the proper lockdown i was a bit sick of having no to do really. <laughs> yeah yeah and as you as you say as you come out of lockdown i there are kind of unexpected challenges i think mentally sometimes i mean as an example i've started to see online people like jimmy carr playing pub gardens and um yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I should feel very happy for jimmy carr but i can't help thinking shit is this the industry now jimmy carr is now doing gigs that i i would have turned down previously for being I, un I, unplayable but i think any any gig uh, jimmy carr can do cash in hand is probably after this <laughs> yeah. yeah but um how are you generally feeling about the industry now i mean you, you mentioned kind of issues you've had in the past in terms of ups and downs are you is that kind of um is anxiety one of those things that um you have yeah. suffered from or you're suffering more from now i mean i know mine's gone up in uh, the last few months it's a strange it's a strange thing with me and anxiety because it's um you know i think i think but i think it is a um, I, I i don't know i think it's a very um sometimes with a, a diagnosis like that it can lose that sort of um personal element as well i suppose because i don't really know whether what i experience is sort of textbook anxiety stuff because i don't really you know i'm not i don't fret about times or organization or any of that sort of stuff that that, that people do mm. um but yeah I, I would say i've had you know things that uh well uh you know i, I would say that 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 what what i'm have experienced and i'm sort of experiencing to a degree is, is something to do with that mm. um but i think as the thing uh, you know uh, creatively um uh, creativity is like a big thing for for helping with that really and um yeah one of the yeah. one of the best one of the best um books that i read over the lockdown was um uh, the chick semi highs flow mm. um that seemed to really, I don't know if you've read it. No, no. Um, all about the flow state and trying to um, involve yourself so deeply in an activity that that um, your stuff no longer really matters. So, but you, yeah. but rather than destroying that sense of self, you actually come out with your sense of self. You come out of the experience more with a more fortified sense of self. And I suppose, you know, we do get that as comics sometimes on, on stage in those, uh, rare and fleeting instances where <laughs> things are going good and you're having a really good time um, yeah. and, and so I suppose that that you know creativity is a big a big thing for me to sort of um, to be able to deal with uh, some of the you know more negative aspects of, of experience yeah that's nice man I haven't, I haven't thought about it like that actually no one no one's mentioned it that the kind of missing stand-up in terms of being away from your own mind because that's so important with stand-up isn't it whatever you go through in the day or in your week whatever terrible lows you're going through often in stand-up even if it's not going quite so well you don't think about those things at least when you're on stage so um so yeah and I've, yeah I've yeah yeah oh I, well, well sometimes sometimes it depends with me because i think like sometimes you do get into that habit of um you know, I'll be I'll be repeating the material, but there'll be no connection to the words sometimes. <laughs> so you're doing right, like yeah. what you haven't. Because before the one of the sort of the month or month or two before lockdown, I did have a 
weird out of body experience on stage where I was like, um, I was doing the set and obviously I've done the, it was a bit I'd done like loads and loads of time. Maybe it's just a sort of biological wake up call that I need to write some new fucking jokes. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but I started having this weird thing of like, oh my God, I'm saying something, but complete, I'm thinking about something else entirely. <laughs> and like, then that sort of tripped me out. I had this really weird thing. And I, I, I think like, I, I started, it was weird because I started what I remembered as a sort of panic attack whilst I was on stage, but I still had to go and do the, uh, oh, but, but I wasn't panicking about being in front of an audience or anything like that. It was just this weird thing that happened in my head. So I just had to sort of stumble through the set and then got off stage and, and, uh, and, yeah. uh, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and sort it out. And I was like, there's something weird happened up there. And the promoter was like, anyway, we'll get you a Fanta and a beer. You'll be right as well. <laughs> Thing to sort me out. Yeah, God, that sometimes happens, as you say. You're delivering a set, but you're thinking about something completely different. That is a that is a weird feeling. But as you say, I mean, you do a lot of kind of you know improvising stuff in the moment and like more topical stuff. So that must be that must be easier to uh, stay in the moment if you're doing that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and I think that's when I'm also happiest on stage mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, I don't know whether it's a, a, I think it's more of a respect for the job that you do in issue rather than a confidence issue. But I'd love to go up and just do a, an hour of talking without any sort of uh, preconceived notion of what I'm going to do. But I just don't mm. think, um, I'd, you know, because that, that's sort of when I'm happiest on stage. But I don't think that, you know, that's feasible for me at the moment. Yeah, no, no. It's it's often and it's often a bit rubbish as well. It's often yeah, more, yeah, yeah. It more, is. That's more, the thing. more rubbish than you think it's going to be. Yeah, um, and then you go. It has a very much a speaker's corner vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need some new jokes, Jimmy Carr's available though to write some. Apparently, yeah. so he's, looking, he's looking for work at the moment. He'll do anything, that man. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, how have you been, like, from the start? Because you started this at a, at a very early age, obviously. Did you recognise, even back then, it was about, what, 13, 14? Was it, was it a way of dealing with some of the kind of negative things? Did you think of it in that way, or did you just think, this will be fun, I'll get up and uh, tell a few jokes? Yeah, no, I don't think I did think of it in those um, terms, probably, when I was younger. In fact, I think starting that young was probably a positive in my situation because you're not as a, at 13 years old, whatever I was, 14, you're not as aware of the variables or things that can go wrong. So I just went on with, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of confidence and stuff because you're not aware that, that perhaps, you know, things can go badly at that age. So uh, I think that was a, that was a great, um, that was a, a sort of great help really that I did start as young as I did. Um, and yeah. then, and then, yeah. And then I think it was ultimately um, a fun pastime, I think at, at that, at that time as well. But was there anything about, you know, you mentioned keeping busy sometimes mm. is good for mental health. I mean, I look at my kids that are nearing the age of the way you started stand up and they're just like, mm. I mean, you mentioned FIFA, they're just happy kind of whatever playing computer yeah. games, doing, doing as little as possible. I mean, I do try and get them doing some things, but um, 
was there a bit of that in you? Were you, you know, that's, you know, an incredible thing to take on at kind of 13, 14, unless your parents force you to do it. You know, was there a bit about, I need to keep busier than what I'm doing? I don't know what you were doing at that time before stand-up. I think mainly, um, uh, well, I was trying to avoid going to school as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just because, I, I, that's what I said in the interview around the time, I was like, they were going, oh, you're doing good and that. I was going, mate, I'm only in it for the days off. <laughs> yeah, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking further than getting mon- Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You needed a better. Um, you needed a better entertainment job than stand up if you're going to get time off school. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, it's I, should, I should have played Annie in the West End or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. I think um, I I've been lucky. Um, in a lot of ways because right from being six, seven years old, I knew that I wanted to do something in this arena, whether it was writing or, you know, comedy just happened to sort of be um, the way. So I knew right from sort of being um, very young, really, that, that, that that's what I wanted to do. One of, Cause one of the, I spent um, a fair bit of time in hospital around sort of the ages of six and seven, having a, operation um and stuff so the, the recuperation of that i just watched a lot of comedy um mm. and i think luckily like i've been able to carry that sort of um origin story with me and just sort of go this is you know what i want to to do yeah, really right. and, and and never never really sort of wavered in that not not even you know belief in in uh obviously there's some self-belief whatever but like just the belief in that thing as i know what i want to do sort of thing yeah that's nice man what kind of stuff were you watching at six and seven uh i was watching um i'm alan partridge a lot and family guy a lot and getting all the getting all the gags as well which i think um made some people feel quite uh, uncomfortable the fact that i could <laughs> follow along with the stuff yeah, that's quite prodigious, you know. I mean, you were prodigious anyway, starting at 13, but to get in those gags at six, seven. Um, I was watching Alan Partridge just last night. I often flick through Netflix and think, is there anything I want to watch? And it's always Alan Partridge. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes, it just comes back to Alan Partridge. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's it. Like, um, you know, I think I was thinking about this the other day and not to get too deep, but too deep about things, but I think... Um, you know, with having cerebral palsy and stuff, maybe the the fact that you know uh, I had to sort of verbalise and and, um, and 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 be able to communicate points and be a little bit more perceptive about things when maybe other people uh, didn't you know didn't have to do that as much as kids. That yeah. that sort of helped me hone those those powers of uh, perception in a way yeah and what was he like what was he like physically at that time you know you said six and seven you were in <laughs> hospital a lot having operations was it uh, i mean stupid question but did you feel as a six seven year old that this is horrendous or was it just your life and you just didn't no. know any difference no i think i think that's the thing isn't it like you don't know you mm. don't know any different and um and again, we go back to the thing of I got lots of time off school, so, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know that was that was all good for me as well. Well, I can I can I can have three months off and watch DVDs in bed. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll t- I'll take a bit of spinal surgery for that. Seems like a fair. Tra- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. 
And do you relax easily now? Do you, do you find it easy to do little and play FIFA or are you constantly, is your mind whirring and onto the next creative thing? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, um, I'd go, I don't think I really relax particularly well. I relax most when I'm involved in a fulfilling activity. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I wish I could med. I wish I could like meditate or do something like that. But it always reminds me of that. Um, you know, Ramdas, the uh, the Indian guru, the the uh, sort of hippie from the the sixties and seventies. <laughs> he had a he had a thing where he he'd done a big um, speech. He'd done like a two hour long speech about the um, power of meditation and how great it made you feel. And uh, he said afterwards, an old woman came up to him. And went, uh, that's great. I know exactly what you're on about. And he said to her, do you meditate? And she went, no, crochet. <laughs> and like, it's that thing for me of, of, you know, I think I get those benefits from being heavily involved in a, in a project or, you know, doing something, um, something creatively fulfilling. So, so, yeah. you know, really that's when I'm, that's when I'm, uh, when I'm at the happiest, which sort of been, relatively hard to come by in lockdown because i'm not particularly self-motivating either yeah yeah you can you can be your happiest when your mind is busiest as long as it's busy on something you want to do but as you say those kind of jobs those moments are fleeting so to find happiness in something you can control is sometimes good i mean i use piano for that so i can just carry a i carry a grand piano everywhere i go but um you know so. <laughs> drop, it on, drop it on someone's head in a sort of floral and hard <laughs> yeah, yeah so you've um you're busy uh on social media i see a lot on twitter and stuff and um very funny and challenging on twitter and you're brilliant at not letting things go on twitter which uh, yeah. which i enjoy do you, do you enjoy a social media scrap um i i the thing is i wish i didn't um I wish I didn't do it, but there is a there is an there is an argumentative element to, <laughs> especially if, especially if someone wants me to to back down from a sort of verbal thing. Um, <laughs> my first inclination is not not do it at all. Um, yeah. But I think I think um, so. So I'll go in, drop a sort of um, drop a bomb. atomic. <laughs> atomic bomb of a couple of tweets and then just delete all social media from my phone for, for a couple of lay, lay low um i don't i don't think I, I don't know what people come to my twitter sort of expecting but they're not going to get um particularly creatively interesting or funny things that's not what i go there for really <laughs> i read i read like like um my Twitter bio for ages was just better uh, was just better live than on Twitter because <laughs> because like getting polished you know nuanced um, things that that are crucially not 140 characters. So I know some people are sort of very savvy about um, how they use social media and stuff, mm. and I wish I was a l- little bit more that way inclined. But I'm, um, I'm Jimmy not Carr. Really- Jimmy Carr's very good at that. Jimmy Carr again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was one of the um, one of the originators of Twitter, wasn't he? In this, he was. Uh, he invented it. He's uh, he's making money out of that. <laughs> <laughs> totally tax free. Um, we should just have a dinger every time you do it. We should just have yeah. a ballad. Yeah, yeah, I love our Jimmy Carr tax um, <laughs> thread. Yeah. It's both um, yeah. 
It's what I like about it more than anything is it's topical, which I like. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, Ken Dodd, that's even more topical. <laughs> yeah, we've had pianos falling on the head. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone that's not up to date with Jimmy Carr um, how does that affect you mentally and your mental well-being because every time somebody I mean I don't go looking for scraps on Twitter but if somebody comments I mean I know you've had abuse on Twitter you know don't we all but maybe you get a bit more than some you know maybe because you go looking for you know you drop those bombs and stuff but yeah. whenever I get a little bit of abuse I just I, I block and uh, but you tend to <laughs> yeah tend to push does that so does that I not character uh, rather than block fuck I nearly fell off my chair then that would have been <laughs> talking about talking about Lauren Hardy I was like hey that's for the patron <laughs> that's for the patron join a patron come on <laughs> you see me falling off a chair um yes it affects me negatively so I just block it does it uh, do the opposite to you then you go oh great someone having a go at me let's um yeah, I don't. I, I think it probably does affect me negatively in a way. Not necessarily the um, personal attack, but just the being involved in that cycle of negativity. I suppose is pretty can be pretty corrosive because it's like you um, in any sort of argument. You know, you don't feel you don't feel brilliant after it. But I think that's more a more a sign of a, an internal, you know, that, 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 that that's my thing rather than anything anyone says to me because I realise that that's not, um, it's often not, you know, necessarily um, tr true to me, really. Well, yeah, the, the haters often have nothing against you. They're just trying to make themselves look and feel better yeah. often, you know, yeah, yeah. which is... Things yeah. that have been picked up. Have you ever questioned the need to engage then? Have you ever questioned the main motivations to engage with these people? If it is, particularly if it is giving you a negative feeling. Yeah, yeah I think it's, I think it's probably, um, I, 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 you know, I can be quite petty with that, I think, as well. When someone sends a thing <laughs> up, I just go, right, well, it's on now, we're doing this thing. Um, <laughs> I wish it. I wish I could sort of block and block and move on a little bit more um, than than I do, I suppose. Uh, and it's also this that that thing as well of, um, and I get this with the stage on on stage work as well and stuff and stand up stand up as well. Yeah. It's weird how there's a sort of um, there's a disconnect between how I see myself personally and how other people see me really which creates i suppose a um an odd kind of uh, friction really um and I, I and i suppose maybe um that 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 extends to to my online uh, activity in a way as well like you know that 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 the people come in with a preconceived notion of what you're doing and and that isn't necessarily uh, how you see yourself yeah in what way do you think there is that disconnect with the way people see you versus how you are? Um, I think, well, I think online you get the, uh, you, you operate under the mis, misapprehension that, that um, everyone gets your uh, inflection and your <laughs> uh, way of doing things like, uh, and, you know, the, the, the nuance of the point you're trying to make, like your family and friends, would in a conversation and that's not necessarily uh the case mm. 
But I think also that, you know, there is a, there is a sort of people, you know, see you doing stand-up or whatever, and they, they do build up a, a certain idea of, of what you're, what you're doing and, and, and stuff. And it's, you know, not necessarily always, uh, always true or always how, how you see yourself, which I think can create, a, you know, like I say, a slightly, slightly weird um, friction. I mean, I guess particularly, I mean, as stand-ups, you feel like you're being judged as you walk up to the microphone. But mm. I guess, you know, in your case with a, with a cerebral palsy, I mean, kind of more, you know, is that on your mind then? Do you think, well, I'm being judged for the moment I come out of the wings, whether that's from the Britain's Got Talent or from just people that haven't seen you? Is that, you know, is that on yeah, your mind? Yeah, I think as far as like performance stuff goes, um, it doesn't really enter into my head, you know, what the audience are thinking of me or anything like that. It doesn't really, um, uh, and, that, and that's not a sort of um, an insular thing. It just doesn't, it doesn't, seem to come into play for me really yeah. um yeah i think i think it's probably more um yeah probably more just a sort of uh people i think people maybe get a certain impression of you and what you're doing and because i started so young maybe they, they they've lodged a sort of a certain impression of me and, and that's sort of slightly altered and changed and hopefully you know grown in in the last um few years i suppose and and you know i suppose that 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 that's where some of it comes from but as far as immediate sort of in the moment uh, being judged when i walk on stage or whatever that don't that don't really enter enter into my head i like looking at a twitter spat i like someone like you that doesn't want to let things go i do find it funny and it's good it's good content yeah. i wouldn't do it myself but then there's of course always a line and sometimes you know, people are pricks and cross that line and you do get, you have had some, you know, ableist abuse or these kind of things. Yeah, and yeah. You, and you do immediately then go down further and just immediately report, don't you, and things like that. Yeah, I think, well, the, 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 well, the, t- the only, because obviously it doesn't, and I never actually filed um, the report that I said I was going to do a couple of weeks ago because I couldn't mm. be asked. <laughs> and stuff like that but i think yeah. um and twitter it, would probably done nothing knowing twitter yeah but but saying saying you're gonna do that sometimes gives people a little uh bucket of cold water to sort of go, <laughs> yeah. well, this is I real yeah yeah absolutely um so because like after i did that i woke up to uh, an instagram message the day after sort of saying um from one of the guys that said something going i apologize unreservedly for my part in yesterday's <laughs> antics and I, I was just like well that's that's fantastic really because 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 like i do see it um in a way those sort of um for you know those sort of going back and forth with people i do see it as a as, as slightly as a chess match so <laughs> it's sort of, sort of what can you do to really get them to you know to 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 lead with the chin so to speak <laughs> that was it. and that and the fact that the guy then messaged me and sort of said oh i apologize and reserve that was enough for me that was the argument over because like <laughs> you know that's a that's a definitive one nil in my book <laughs> You're the Gary Kasparov of Twitter. That's beautiful. The, <laughs> there's another reference for you, for the patron followers. Um, 
did you get any of this kind of abuse as a kid, you know, be, be, before starting Britain's Got Talent? I mean, I can imagine, um, I mean, I don't know how Britain's Got Talent changed that uh, to any extent. Uh, I didn't really, I've never really, um, that, that's why, that's why um, it's sort of, I suppose, not, not, shocked me the first time I got sort of tweets mentioning my disability or something but I was just going why would that even be a thing because I wasn't really used to um that that as a the concept really I mean I knew it yeah. was out there but it was some nebulous thing because I never firstly I think because um you know because I've always been quick of wit I've had that that as a sort of a, a defense thing really that 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 maybe people uh, would be less sure of uh, saying, uh, you know, saying things to me uh, in, in that sort of area because you know they 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 would uh, get get as good as they'd given sort of thing, um, yeah. and and so yeah, I, I, I again it's that thing of um, I'd never known anything different really, so I'd never seen it as a as a sort of um, yeah. as, as a difference. So so yeah, I'd, I'm not really experienced that to be honest. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk, if we may, a little, a little bit about Britain's Got Talent and how that changed mm. things. I mean, I, I loved looking back on those auditions. I did watch them at the time and uh, haven't, haven't mm. looked at them since. And looking at them back, I mean, Jesus, you're, you, you are uh, so far ahead of a usual kind of 13, 14-year-old. It was, was very impressive. I mean, for people that don't know, you did... Am I right? You did like one or two gigs before that first audition and you did a gig at yeah. a wedding. My mum and dad's silver wedding anniversary. I went up and did a, did a gig yeah. there after much, much pestering. Um, I, I, my dad, my dad brought me on, uh, but, but he made a big speech about how he'd had a, you know, and they'd had such a happy marriage up to that point and everything and, and all the assembled company, family and friends. And I just went up, and my, the first line out of my mouth was, that's a load of rubbish, they're getting divorced tomorrow. <laughs> and luckily, yeah. Yeah. some of the family still talk to us, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah, so that kind of joke would only have come, I think, from watching Alan Partridge at six and seven. You, you're not mm. going to get a 13-year-old saying an actual... I mean, it's unlikely that a 14-year-old would say a funny joke, let alone a joke that is kind of a bit yeah, subversive yeah. and a bit... Um, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I was really impressed with. That all through those auditions, it's something I didn't really notice at the time. But um, you know, the maturity of the uh, of the jokes, it was yeah, lovely to mm. lovely to look back on. There was a nice moment in the heat when you were talking to Anton Deck, I guess, before you'd gone on for the first time, and you'd said something like um, they were talking about you being an inspiration. You said something like, "I don't set out to be an inspiration because I'm an awful person" or something. <laughs> He said something yeah. like that. I thought that was really yeah. funny. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, that I mean, that's now got, what, 23 million hits on YouTube. That was just such a huge thing at the time. Was, again, mentally, was that just a breeze because you, you were a kid? Or I can imagine at 14, I'd be, I'd be nervous and anxious doing that. But to you, was it more of a breeze? Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's something that... that, that um, Maybe in recent years I've I've lost a little bit more um, that that I sort of yearned to get back really that everything was a breeze and I did just sort of go get through it and also re, you know really I think enjoyed the enjoyed the pressure of it as well as much as anything I enjoyed mm. that that amount of pressure on me and, and um, you know and having to be able to perform and go out and do it. like I, I really enjoyed that 
level yeah. of um, the, the cut and thrust of the pressure. And I think maybe, you know, in recent years, I've become um, perhaps a little bit more wary and a little bit more uh, cautious. And I don't know whether that's just a sort of symptom of the sensitivity that you get when you're growing older. But um, definitely, I think, you know, I would the part of me goes... Some some days I do just go, you know, I would would like a little bit more of that sort of uh, devil may care attitude, um, uh, it, you know, that that I had then. Yeah. Again, have you ever questioned that? Because I think sometimes you get more nervous getting old, and maybe because you think, oh, my time's running out. Or, but you're still incredibly young. You still you you what twenty twenty mm-hmm. early twenties, aren't you? Um, yeah. And have you ever questioned why that did? I mean, do you, do you think you were at your least nervous then as in that first audition and then progressively over time, it's kind of just chipped away slightly and you'd, you'd love to get back to that first audition state of mind, you know? Maybe there's, um, well, there is, there is definitely more expectation, isn't there, I suppose. Um, you know, I would like some of that, um, some of that back really sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, and again, watching those watching those auditions back, I mean, it's just like there was such there was such good gags in there, and then I I reminded myself of in the final, you went on. Am I right? After that girl who'd thrown eggs, is that right? Yes. So, yeah, yeah. so, and you had a gag about the egg chucking, which I thought yeah. was absolutely incredible as a like forty year old kid. It was like you were, you know, God, just. You know that confidence just to change your set and pull out a joke yeah. about that, almost yeah. as if you planned it, Jack. Yeah, almost exactly. As if... <laughs> and no one's ever, no one's ever sort of delved deeply into that. Luckily, <laughs> um, I, I'd, uh, yeah, they'd sold out of uh, all non, all non free range eggs that day. <laughs> I'm not made of money. I can't buy free. It was a lovely moment. Uh, the, the whole thing was lovely. Her chucking the eggs in such a such yeah. a happy way such at Simon Cowell. Such a happy mad way. <laughs> yeah, happy <laughs> nutty mad way. And then your performance was brilliant. That moment, um, because I because uh, you know waiting to go on semi final. Semi final, I think it was. That was the final, I think. Was it? Was it the final? Yeah. Right, so I'm yeah. waiting to go on. Um, I'm waiting to go on backstage. Um, and I just hear a commotion, and then the guy who's doing the like the lighting rigs or something just runs on, and I see him on the monitor just run on and rugby tackle this woman. <laughs> like I think he actually picked picked her up and like took her off the took her off the stage. Oh, God. Uh, and then and then they cut to a, an advert break, whatever, and it was a really weird atmosphere. <laughs> And I just thought, right, well, I've got to come up with something to diffuse the tension here because otherwise, you know, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to go fucking, I'm going to go down in flames. So I, need a, <laughs> I need a line just to chill everyone out. And <laughs> yeah. Everyone's cool. And, you know, luckily, uh, luckily about sort of 30 seconds before I went on, that one came to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. And again, just looking back at that material, you know, you were talking about at the time working in that grey area between being comfortable and not comfortable and yeah the level of maturity there I thought where did this come from but yeah maybe I don't know a combination of things do you think from watching those comedies from a very early age from maybe things you'd yeah. gone through in hospital and that kind of thing adding a adding a darkness to the, to the material I don't know yeah I think as well though a lot of it has to do probably with um my family dynamic and their sense of humor that has always seemed to be um the main 
you know, most all of my family, you know, has has a pretty good and well developed sense of humour. I think, and I'm I'm lucky in in that respect as well. You know, I, I they they the cousin, you know, mum, dad, bro, um, brother, uh, cousins. You know, they they all liked good comedy and therefore introduced me to good stuff as well and there and also you know in that regard we, uh, we they're also very funny people as well so yeah so that, that helped yeah did was there any state of like you leading them in humor or them leading you or just a bit of both you know your your parents often create a a humor in you but were you driving it to a certain extent yeah yeah i think well i think stuff goes in by um by just sort of um observing really doesn't it and um mm. and that i suppose um you know th- there's the 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 environment i think has as, has as much part to play in developing my sort of sense of humor and my aesthetic sense of, of what's funnier as uh, as much as um the sort of the 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 comedy I watched as a kid does, and I think I think yeah. you know it's probably a bit like that for for everyone, but certainly in my case that was uh, you know one of the one of one of the factors. Yeah, well, it's beautiful to look back on. I'd encourage everyone to look back at that final and watch Simon Cow being pelted with eggs. And yes. um... but don't delve any deeper into the conspiracy that I was the architect. <laughs> of yeah. Out of that. Still a good relationship with uh, David Wallings. You've talked about kind of him being a mentor and stuff. Is that yeah, uh, definitely. I've also been, you know, very lucky in that respect, in that that a lot of people that I grew up massively um, idolising, that you know, David Wallings being one of them, uh, I've also become become mates really, and 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 you know, uh, beacons of advice and people that I can go to 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 mm. um, you know be able to navigate. Uh, some some of this um stuff and and um you know and that that's like a, a tremendous blessing really yeah yeah i mean it's so important and um mm. people have a go at so i think less so now britain's got talent it's, it's more of a credible um route into the business now but i think if people stay in touch with you and you know as as mentoring or indeed as you know, um, don't know whether you've done any therapy at all. Is that kind of thing? Do you touch base with people on a on a regular basis to, you know, yeah, to, get, well, to get you through things? I'm just, yeah, uh, definitely. i you know, I'm lucky that 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 support structure is is there. I'm just coming out of my second um, bout of of therapy, actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I have a chat. I've got um, my. Uh, my uncle luckily worked in the the mental health sector and and stuff uh like that so so you know i, I have a chat with him um on occasion if i just need some sort of guidance but i think um that you know not not uh necessarily professionally but he's very very uh very sort of a uh, good listening ear and gives gives good advice and stuff and mm. and and I and I think that that is very you know very important isn't it? is to to have people that you can um, pester and, and <laughs> bother, but not but not feel like you are pestering them. I think is there that's the key. No, absolutely. And often I don't know whether you find this, but you know whenever I talk to anyone in terms of therapy, you can often feel better about something instantly, something that's been worrying you maybe for months or years, and. Um, the value of that is, um, well, it's invaluable. 
you know. Yeah, it is that sort of. Um, you do get a sort of uh, a relief where it feels like a weight has been lifted, but not not even in the sort of metaphorical sense. Sometimes I think you know. Yeah, yeah. You can feel it, um, and uh, and I think. Um, you know that's why it is good to good to have a chat really because I but I don't I don't think I do it uh, I was talking with my therapist about this actually the other week funnily enough you know I don't think I really do bother that that many people with with um, you know the, the, the what's going on uh, in the internal landscape and I, I don't really know um, why that is I think but um, the conclusion I came to was that I, I have a chat with people to sort of escape that stuff. And, you know, you don't necessarily want to be dredging it up. You'd, it's better to have a laugh and, and uh, not not necessarily keep things light, because I don't think I do keep things light in conversation, but maybe just take you out of your own uh, troubles a little bit. Mm. So you feel like you can cope with those yourself, not mm. have to... Um... You know, it's interesting using the word bothering. I mean, of course, you're not bothering a therapist by talking about things. Um, but it's, it's what we all feel to a certain extent. It's like, oh, I don't want to bother people. But um, particularly people that, well, are in, their in, in the industry, they want to hear those kind of things, don't they? And they want to help you. Was there anything, you know, you mentioned being in hospital, I guess, physically for operations. Has there been anything over the years in terms of the cerebral palsy where you've had where there's been help given mentally because people don't think about the, the, mm. the, the mental health aspects of what seem to be totally physical conditions when, of course, conditions like cerebral palsy will have both a mental and a physical aspect. You know, was, was help given to you over the years mentally? Yeah, I've never really, um, I've never really taken into account like how that can affect my mental health because I suppose, I suppose I've only ever seen it as having a positive effect on my mm. mental in as much as um it's given me i think it's i was thinking about this the other day like the cerebral palsy i think has given me a very firm meaning to my life that i can fall back on if you know what i mean uh, no pun intended obviously <laughs> um, but it, it you know i think it's good it, the cerebral palsy is a sort of um as a as a meaningful structure for th when things get a little bit you know, haywire is it uh, has been a, an immense positive thing, but I've never, yeah, never really uh, connected it with any uh, mental sort of woes or whatever. But that that might be interesting to um, to, to to have a think about. Yeah, I mean, the, there have been studies around people with cerebral palsy have a, have an increased risk of you know suffering from things like anxiety depression and adhd but often that's related to environmental aspects as you say if you weren't for example suffering from bullying at the time then that can lead to the anxiety and depression rather than the cerebral palsy just mm. as of itself you know so it's uh i think it is an interesting thing to obviously keep in mind you know it's uh um, i was i was thinking about this the other day and i don't know if you in those studies, I don't know whether it mentions it, but I was thinking like, um, you know, I do have a certain level of damage to a bit of my brain. So I don't know whether that mm. would, um, would sort of exacerbate symptoms or, or yeah. what of, of, of low mood or anxiety sort of thing. Mm. As I say, it's surprising that over the years that there isn't that support from, you know, the doctors to suggest 
mm. that might be the case. It's mm. tended to all be physical, has it? You know, the help that you've got over yeah. the years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have, you know, like I said, I've been to, uh, I did a course with CAMS and now just done another course of therapy as, as, as an adult. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I don't think the, um, the CP wasn't really mentioned because, because I, uh, you know, I, do, I don't think I really deemed it uh, relevant. But it'd be interesting to see, what, you know, whether that was was the case. Frankie Frankie Boyle said to me that uh, that that um, you know or my concerns over uh, you know the sort of ontological anxiety and stuff that I sometimes experience were to do with my CP, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's totally. It's totally possible. Totally yeah. possible. Um, can we slag off Frankie Ball now as well? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think he's he's a, he doesn't have maybe uh, he doesn't have a, a glaring misdemeanour being such a nice <laughs> nice. So he might he might not be well Jimmy Jimmy sound as well actually, but, but <laughs> he's had a much more public uh, misdemeanour. <laughs> yeah. Right, Jack. Well, we're nearing the end, I think, of both of our lives as we sweat in the hottest day. <laughs> I've, lost four, I've lost four stones since we started this <laughs> yeah. um, What's the, I guess, in closing, what's the, um, what's the ambition, the legacy you want to, want to leave behind, Jack, with the rest of your life? That's an interesting one. Um, maybe if I had more of an idea about that, then uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the the um, the, the 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 way I've described it before is like in terms of you know a lasting um, ambition is to just do do lots of credible work that's also popular, and I think um, that in such a bad bar to want to be able to to hit really and i don't i don't know whether that will be in in stand-up or you know because i i think i i really got into stand-up as a as a um as a pathway to to other things and luckily it's taught me a lot of skills about writing and being able to perform and things so i don't know whether whether it will be um solely in stand-up but i would say that that's you know to be able to make good credible stuff that is also um popular um is is the sort of uh you know the the, the overarching e- ethos of, of what i'm trying to do really no that's great man yeah because we haven't mentioned the acting that you've done the the film um eats um eaten by lions and, yeah. you know that's that got terrific reviews and you personally got terrific reviews and you know the sitcoms that you've done you know trolled and Four o'clock club you're in, weren't you, and yeah. stuff. So that that's a lovely way of saying it, credible but popular. I don't think I've heard that before. It's either one of the two, isn't it? It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think you know you can have you can have um, you can have both. I think yeah, they're not they're not a mutually exclusive thing. And I think you know it's because um, I, I think you do start as a sort of um, you know with and, and obviously there's certain specific goals and things you you would like to hit. But I think if you've got an overarching thing of like um, of of reachable and hopefully you know hopefully reachable and attainable things that you can do, then that that is also a good thing to fall back on when things do go a little bit haywire or whatever. Yeah, no man, that's such a great that's such a great one, a great ambition, you know, credible, popular. What more Lovely. can you ask for? I might change my Twitter bio to that for next time. <laughs> yeah. By uh, a Canadian comedian. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, beautiful, Jack. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are um, such a great stand-up. I, as I say, I can't believe, looking back, how talented you were at um, 14. Most stand-ups, I think all stand-ups at 14. Don't start stand-up if you're listening to this in 14. Yeah. You won't be very good. You'll be annoying. And I'd, were... I'd, say, I'd say do it, but just do a load of, you know, shock people. Do a load of old, like, chubby brown gags. Really, really shock people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is he's the he's the other person making money during lockdown still selling vhs videos into care homes <laughs> get, get him on the podcast so, i'd love so, to i'd love so to chubby. so chubby where do you think your racism comes from <laughs> <laughs> is it an environmental thing <laughs> start showing him pictures of uh <laughs> sue pollard now idi amin um, <laughs> 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 beautiful thank you so much um yeah fantastic to see you what you've achieved in such a short time and um i'm sure amazing credible and popular things lie ahead thank you so much jack for joining me on psych comedy thank you so that is our show for today Join us again next week for more Psycomedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked it, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psycomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Cassidy, BSc in Psychology. Produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English for Pod People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychomedy. Please subscribe, rate, and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed in this video clips and more at psychomedy.co.uk. Follow us on social media at podpeopleuk, at psychomedypod, at Nathan Cassidy, and at Fat Jacko. Lots of love. Thank you so much again, Jack. That was brilliant. Thank you. And see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>